Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast, the number one podcast in the metaverse. Thank you for liking, subscribing, commenting. We really appreciate y'all, and we couldn't do any of this without y'all. Please show us some love. Um, Big Zach, he had some things he had to take care of, so... He's going to be Unfortunately, he's late, not here right most now. Most likely. Um, possibly not. But keep him in your prayers. Make sure his family's safe. Show him some love, too. Um, you already know <clears throat> Neoverse and Leo the Architect. This is our guest today. It's, it's a big one. This guy is yeah! a massive figure here in the metaverse. So what's up, bro? How you doing? No. He said bear with him. Oh, no. Did it go no. out? Okay, I'm back. Nah, you're I'm good, back. bro. Sorry, you're good. guys. Welcome back. Welcome Thank back. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I'm coming from you live and direct from the Caribbean right now, so my Wi-Fi connection's a little spotty. So forgive me if I do uh, kind of coin out for a little bit there. It's all good, man. It's all good. So what's up, fellas? What? What's up, dude? Man? Yeah, how you been? Welcome, dude. Long, long time overdue, man. Long time overdue, yeah. bro. <laughs> we actually at the one verse. We've been we've been talking about it like for months now. Like, oh, dude, we got to get Leo in here. We got to get him in here. And it's so it's so good to finally like have the time and the moment to bring you on, bro, and like pick your brain, dude, and hear about you. Hear about who is Leo the architect, dude. So <laughs> give us a little that, bit, man. Give us a little bit about <clears throat> how you even got involved. <clears throat> Into the metaverse of Horizon World. How'd you even get an Oculus? Oh, wow. So, yeah, I was just telling Schlick, actually, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of accidentally stumbled in here. Um, I bought this headset for my wife for Christmas, uh, you know, this last December. And um, I've been, you know, personally interested in cryptocurrency and metaverse on the back end as well, NFTs, um, just kind of doing research. And so it was just coincidence when I bought her the headset. A few days later, I saw her kind of casting in one of her worlds i was like what is that and she was in venues um Ooh. and so she told me you got to check it out and i went in there and of course with you know like kind of like everyone else within a couple of days people told me dude you got to go check out horizon world you can build your own world and of course as an architect i like geeked out and was like i gotta go yeah so once once i hopped over to horizon world i told my wife right this is not my headset i'm gonna have to get you another one <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't come off since Hell yeah. so pretty much she put you on she literally put, she you put on, me on, bro. Yeah, she, she put, put me put on. She put you on. It's funny. Every time, it's because I'm always like, even on the way to Puerto Rico, I'm like, yo, I got to get my laptop. I'm like, remind me, um, I got to get my headset. And she's like, your headset? You mean my headset? I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Were you yeah, instantly able to get in Horizon Worlds? Because Neo and I, we were in Horizon workrooms, like, trying to hack the system to let us in horizon world we were going in developer mode making a million applications that shit was funny as hell bro remember that dude yeah yeah oh, it did work out though it did work out we did get it in worked. here a little bit earlier before like open beta right so, yeah yeah so it, it did work i, mean, I out. didn't have any issues i got in it took i think 48 hours and i was able to jump in oh wow and uh, almost immediately, you know, it was like at that time when I jumped in for, for anyone that's listening now that's just jumping into the meta, they probably won't know. It. But back then um, there was Guddy's Comedy Club and that was like the spot. It's like if you if you spawned into the you know meta, you were going to Guddy's. And so back right. then that was uh, that was where 
like my first kind of foray into the into Meta's metaverse, right? And looking and going like, oh shit, there's like performances. And I met um oh man, what is his name? Uh, anonymous alcoholic who had designed or he oh, had commissioned the, the club. Soapstone. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, dude, tell me more. And he was like, yeah, he's like, you can build these worlds and so on and so forth. And so it was just from there, it was like a ball. It just spiraled into, you know, especially once people were like, you're a real architect. I'm like, yeah. And so like, oh shit, can you build like you know, cool shit and this and that. And next thing you know, that was it. I was just in here. Right on. Killing it. Dude, so what happened to Guddies? That shit just died or he was like, no, I want to make soapstone. (laughs) Um, I think the, yeah, Guddies was part of a franchise, if I'm not mistaken. There was like three or four clubs in real life. Um, and the, I, I believe the owner and them had like a, they had kind of creative differences. And so they ended up, Mm. Pardon ways, I believe. Uh, and then so, Gutties, yeah, you fucked up, like, bro. Because Soapstone yeah, is killing the fucking metaverse, bro. <laughs> and they working directly <laughs> with Horizon. Gutties, y'all fucked up, bro. Yeah, they did. They did. they did. Dude, they're they're always packed. No matter the time of the day, or how late always, it is. Man. They're always there's always people yeah. in there. Always they're always there. featured. It's like besides the plaza, it's the second biggest place. Yeah. But there's one world that's coming up, and I've been watching. Is my homie uh, designed this one, and he he worked on this one. It's called Regal Boxing. You guys know Meta Chief. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot I've of Regal Boxing yeah. ones. I've worked with Meta Chief in the past before, but he just created this world. I don't really know too many details about the world, but I've watched that world go from more or less like bottom 100 to like top six right now, and it's just progressively Damn. moved up so quickly. It's super. Yeah, impressive. a lot yeah. of people are posting about it because you can box. I've never been there. Yeah, like I've, like, I've walked in there. Are you talking about really Regal know. Boxing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. That, I, I've seen that pop up a couple of times. Yeah, that's... I know. I don't know who else is behind it. All I can say is I know Chief's behind it, and he's... Chief I thought it was Hardy, actually. I thought it was Hardy West. I think Hardy might I, have also I see been Hardy involved. posting about it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I see him his, saying he Hardy got his signage up too. So maybe it is Hardy's. I, I could be wrong, but it's under Chief's name. Nah, it's definitely Chief's because I I've talked to Chief about it. So yeah. But Hardy might have been involved. You know how it is. We all collaborate here. So yeah. Everyone right, right. everyone's Dude, got their hands Hardy, in each other's. Bro. Yeah. Shout out Hardy. Hey, bro. Shout out to Hardy, bro. Hey, sure. your posts, bro. They they too dark for me. No one's hating on you, bro. We got nothing for love for Hardy. So make sure to remember that, Hardy. We got you, bro. <laughs> yeah it's funny a, a funny story about hardy is hardy's one of the first people so when i <clears throat> when i got in here i was in gutties and i remember one night i met um i ran into hardy and there was another guy called justin weeb who's kind okay. of like i believe he's like a tiktok influencer i don't really know i'm not i'm not big on social media guys so hmm. um anyway this guy was like yo this is you know you got to go to hardy's world you're if you're an architect you got to check out his world and so we went and checked it out and then it was i think it was that night hardy was promoting uh, a call that he was going to be doing what seemed kind of like almost like a mastermind kind of thing and so yeah. oh, for yeah, me, back, like i've come that was a while ago like a couple months yeah ago, back actually. then exactly i've come to a point in my career where i've i've tried my best to move out of being a traditional consultant because of course as an architect we work for developers and clients all the time you know but in the last 10 years or so well really the last five years i started my own business uh, started a couple little ventures and was learning a little bit more about how do you how you pay to play right so to speak if you want to get involved in the world sometimes you pay a little get get involved you're going to get some really great information so hardy 
I was fortunate enough to get on one of his calls um, and it was some good information. And, I, you know, I, I linked up with Hardy and a couple other people. And that was one of the first times that I learned about what was going on here on like, let's call the club scene and like that, that business side of things. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. So yeah, shout out Hardy. He's uh, Hardy's, you know, I know Bro, he's so you bought one of his busy. masterminds. I was in his last one, I believe. And did I you paid, buy it? I did. I did. I'm proud to say I did, wow. man. It was, I mean, I walked away. I remember right? going like, I paid 99 bucks. It was the second call he did. I mean, I had just sent that week and I had just spent 250 in an NFT course on like, you know, one of these like Nas yeah. kind of things. So like I said, for me, it's like, I'll take, I'll try to take a Bro, few grand. If you want, we can teach year. you a couple of things in here in the one verse and we'll charge you a good price. So. <laughs> yeah, bro. What? Dude, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't, like, bro. don't get me wrong. I don't like spending my money out everywhere, but I do have, you know, my bucket out of all the buckets. I have one bucket that's right, about learning right. and that's definitely for Yeah, dude, that's shit. a very important thing, man. Yeah. Dude, you got an NFT course. Are you still in it? Um, well, I, it was just a short, it was like a week long kind of thing. I took oh, okay. that. Um, Have yeah, it was, I've been working friends. on friends. Yeah, for sure. Dude, that's my, that's my NFT, bro. Is it? Dude, yeah, this I guy. Got a legendary lemur. So, I was just at VCon. So yeah, Damn, so because of the NFT, he just so went to VCon. So dude, dude this guy amazing, was literally bro. surrounded by Gary V, Logan Paul, Snoop Dogg, all these big names because yeah. of the NFT. It granted him access to this big wow. event. Tell us Crazy, a little bit about bro. that event, actually. How was it? How bro, was the experience? Vcon was dope, man. The coolest thing about it was it's Gary V's event. So everybody's expecting everybody to be an entrepreneur hustler. So like it right. was expected. When you see somebody, you say, yo, my name's Schlick. I do a podcast. What do you do? Right? Like, if you're not introducing yourself like that, there's something wrong. So nobody was yeah. shy. It was the most kind environment I've ever been in my life. Um, I No one knows about Horizon Worlds in yeah. Gary V's circle. Nobody. And there's well, Oculus does, sculptors. Right? Barely. So there's Oculus sculptors, but they're in a, what's that? app called no one's in horizon uh, worlds gravity sketch. i'm telling you i talked gravity to sketch. i talked to hundreds of people and none of them knew about horizon worlds gary v i even got a selfie with him and i was like you don't even follow oculus on twitter he said yeah i know i'm excited for it but not yet it's not ready and i was just like trying to tell him bro let me show you horizon worlds you don't know what you're talking about but he he told me to email him and um He'll he's interested, but I got an email from his secretary. Who knows? I think he does not understand what's happening because. Well, I know he did an interview with Zuckerberg, right? And he went yeah. pretty in detail. I was surprised. I'm he surprised said he he's know checked it out happening. and shit. But that's why I'm just wondering why he's not interested in this yet. I feel like yeah. it's well, revolutionary. Think about it like this, bro. Like I just said, what month are we in right now? We're in. June, right? We're about to be in June. Yeah. In December, the only chill spot was like Gutties. Yeah. And Hardy World. Hardy had just released Hardy World. And like there were like three or four. So I think I guess what I'm saying is if Gary V or anyone else for that matter would have jumped in here two months ago, it's, it, it's very different yeah. from what it is today. Very different from what it is now. The quality of builds that I'm seeing around town, I'm like, it's incredible. It, the pro, the incredible. level of progress and development is just amazing. It's uh, really honestly, that Honestly, the thing is, what I what I believe is, right, this is my theory behind it, is that when he jumped in, 
Horizon Worlds wasn't open to him. So I think he just went to venues and he just saw this very limited access to certain things. So I think he's like, oh, okay, so you can see events and stuff here, but this is this is it. Is that all? He knows Mark. So Mark maybe gave him access, though. Maybe, maybe. But we don't know that yet, though. We don't but even, even if he saw venues there, right? or it a couple months ago, it was not impressive even a couple months ago. Yeah. Well, and I also think there's like the whole with Gary V, he's big in the NFT scene, right? So he understands decentralization, yeah. he understands blockchain. So I think there's a lot of the big conversation in town right now is, is meta an actual metaverse, right? Mm-hmm. Quote unquote metaverse and on the blockchain. And so I think all of these discrepancies cause people to sort of sleep on Facebook or on meta. And also the historical yeah. stuff, what happened last, you know, elections and all the kind of data breach and all this kind of shit. That especially, happened. So I think, especially the topic with um, decentralized and centralized. I think right. that's the biggest one that people, that's the reason why people don't really jump in as quick as they want. Right. Because they're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like centralized. We don't want that shit. We want decentralized because it's more independent yeah. and corporate. Sure. So, well, I think so people, like, people say that and I, I get it. I understand it. I get that the, the technology that's exciting behind even cryptocurrency yeah. is blockchain. And so mm-hmm. we're somewhat detached from blockchain. But I think, you know, I saw a diagram once that talked about there's going to be various types of metaverses in the future. It's not going to be yeah. one. And eventually maybe there will be a, a company that links everything together and that will become the equivalent. Which of what that's the, the true today, metaverse, right? by the way. That would be right, the true exactly. Metaverse. So I don't know when we get to that point, um, but to, to knock this approach I think is silly, especially when you have what 3 billion users under your belt. Uh, you yeah. have developers that are coming in. I mean, people are coming in here and spending, dude, I meet people that spend 12, 16 hours a day in here building. And I'm like, what the, f-? I'm like, are you getting paid? Like, are you getting commissions? And they're like, I some, and I'm like, damn, like people are really committing themselves. So it reminds me a little bit of what you were hearing back in the day when you were hearing about people coding and learning about certain apps, like early developers in Apple's system or the iOS system. You know, people giving their time because they knew that they were laying the groundwork for the future and exactly now, right? Like with software, right? Like software, like the Macintosh, Microsoft. This is kind of like history repeating itself, but with the next evolution of the internet. This is kind of like even groundwork. Even if you just look at the app ecosystem on the iOS system, just the apps alone in iPhone, just iPhone, not even iOS, just iPhone. That alone, like Angry Birds, that one company, I forget, it was Epic Games, I forget who Angry that alone that was, was huge multi-billion dollar huge. company so so i think what's going to happen in here is i suspect it'll be similar you're going to have individuals and then eventually teams or groups of people that'll come up with maybe potentially worlds or whatever those might be the equivalent of what our apps right what those apps were and eventually over time people will use those and that will yeah. probably become more commonplace like angry birds it might be something that you just go on your phone and you're like oh i'm in i'm in the one verse you know, podcast room or what, I don't know, doing whatever you do in here. Uh, maybe interviewing, you know, with you guys. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what, I, I think that's what we do. I think. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. That's fucking nuts, man. And it's like Instagram or Twitter when people joined or YouTube's the best example. If you would have just started making videos, it doesn't matter if your videos were of your kitten or whatever, you'd be famous if you would have stuck with it. If you would have started. True. Yeah. True, true, true. Yep. You could like, definitely relate. And, yeah. If we just grow with Dude, this thing, point, if man. we just stay consistent, 
Like we're going to become, it doesn't even matter if we're not even the best, just because of the consistency of being here from day one, we are going to make it with the app going up into the billions of dollars. Right. Like, right. See, that does, you know, I have, I have mixed feelings about that. Like I agree with that to a certain extent, but on the other side, I think we're, we're at a place right now in, in 2022 where we understand what beta testers are. We understand what developers are. We understand what early users are. Back when yeah. YouTube first came out, there was a very small percentage of people that knew yeah. that. And so they were the ones that took advantage. Nowadays, I watch someone that's just like, they don't know anything about anything blockchain. And they're like, meta, metaverse, horizon worlds. And within three months, they're building like dope builds in here. And so the pace at which that's happening and the amount of people and the potential scale with 3 billion network, yeah. you know, in their network, I see a potential potential for oversaturation. Um, and so at that mm. point, we're going to have to really get back into kind of curated more curated experiences. But I think that'll be Facebook's next kind of their next big thing. Once they hit a million users in here, you know, you just got to put in the work now because the cream of the crop is going to rise. Right. So sure. You got to start and something unique. Try. There's a billion different unique ideas that you can find Mm -hmm. in this metaverse. Mm -hmm. It's anything you can think of in the real world. Plus your imaginary world. Right. Right. Yeah. Finding a niche. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. Come in here and find a niche. Something like you said, something that that complements the real world, but uses creativity to a whole new evolution of the real world. Yeah. That infusions both kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're not it's defining kind of your box of physics anymore. Like you can open it up and make yourself that zero gravity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. you want, man. Well, I think exactly. it's really impressive that. I know there's like the metaverse and that's its whole topic, but just let's talk about the vertical of virtual reality. Virtual reality was when I was pretty much a kid, you know, I remember going to back in the day to whether it was a theme park or whatever and seeing these, there were bigger, there were bigger headsets and you had like a whole fucking bench that you had to sit inside of and all that stuff. But, um, VR has been around for quite some time and interactive environments have been around for quite some time. I remember in architecture school, we, they're, they're, they're being taught at UCLA. And this was like 10 years ago at UCLA, there was a room called the dark room. It was a dark box and you'd go in there and put on gloves and you could model geometry. And this was like, this was supposed to revolutionize architecture. And so I'm like, all right, that was like 10 years ago, maybe even longer. Um, but look at us now, whether we're a metaverse, whether we aren't, whether we're on a blockchain, whether we aren't, Put all that to the side. All that's just going to make it better from a virtual reality standpoint, from an interaction standpoint, from a social and communication standpoint. Bro, Facebook or Meta has, I think they've done an incredible job with this, Yeah, you know, despite all the naysayers out there. I agree with that 100%. Mm. I definitely agree with that. I could definitely see that. Sure. Bro. Fucking Meta, bro. It's nuts. <laughs> I, I got to tell you. but... Like to, that people to, don't believe in Mark. Sorry. Oh, no, that's cool. To that no. point you were saying, like, you know how, like you said, 10 years ago, there was like VR systems, right? Where you could have like these type of experience, right? I remember um, my kind of like first type of experience, but not really with a VR headset, but like the whole social kind of like avatar talking to people from different locations was PlayStation 2. If you remember, right. uh, what is it, Playroom, yeah. PlayStation Room or something like that? Remember that? I don't know. I didn't that, that. So it was like Playroom. It's kind of like almost The Sims, even before The Sims. But it was in the PlayStation okay. 2. No, wait, sorry, Playroom. sorry. There was a Play, PlayStation 3, room? PlayStation 3, PlayStation 3. Oh, yeah, it's called, okay. it's called PlayStation Room. 
and that was kind of like Xbox a metaverse. Uh, yeah, I know in the PlayStation, yeah, PlayStation 3, there was this thing called PlayStation Room, and that was kind of like Sims. To where everybody right. that everybody created the avatar, That's you know, you cool. go in, there's like there was like a like a headquarters and you got to control it, but you're walking around and the way that you communicated with people was through like, you know, like typing in through text, a little chat box, but with your avatar. <laughs> and I think you you could actually use your little headset to like chat with people in there. That was kind of like my That's first cool. type of experience of like early version of like the metaverse. Without a VR right. Uh, right. The first metaverse I had it. was Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, the chat rooms. You metaverse became a man was... when you played Call of Duty, Modern <laughs> Warfare 2, and you were talking <laughs> shit to those people, bro. You could say anything. That was the first experience of really like just meeting people through the system, right? Right. And that's kind of a metaverse in itself. You are, you're just a bunch of soldiers trying to kill each other, right? But well, like Gary B says, our phones, it's like being in the metaverse because we're so yeah, linked to our phones are. nowadays, right? So right, it's kind of like right. we're pretty much living inside the internet. We're in the metaverse, just a different form of it, which it was our phones. I feel like that's kind of like what will build us to this, honestly. Right. right. And yeah, I mean, VR there's, been there's here still since this like, like the 80s, too. Yeah, it's been here for a while. I just think there's this. Um, I don't know if it's a romanticization or what it exactly it is with the, the question of the metaverse. Because, you know, when you talk about the real definition of a metaverse and you start realizing what it is, you realize, okay, we're not it here. Um, even just this weekend, I watched how on Instagram I saw maybe two or three worlds get shut down um, for violations, terms of service violations and stuff like that. Ooh. Even tonight I was somewhere where they were, they were, I guess Facebook had requested them change the world. And so that's the kind of thing that people are horrified of. Can you right, explain like, that more? Well, I, I don't know many details about what happened, but all I know is that these worlds were violating terms of service. When you sign up for Horizon Worlds, there's terms of service, just like any game, right? And so you're right, you know, right. What they have to say, there's not going to be no harassment, comes. no drugs, things like that, all these kinds of stuff. And so, surely, you guys have been we've we've all floated around Horizon Worlds. We see plenty of worlds that are violating those terms, but up until now, it's been fine. If there's been no Apparently drugs, yeah, every world, every world has blunts, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I'm, what about I just, the Scarface is, world, right? I think eventually, over time, days are gonna get phased out. Mm. And just, just sheer, just by what I've seen over the weekend, just seeing how people, a couple of people posting, like, "What the hell? My world got shut down." I mean, can you imagine investing fifty hours of your time, hundred hours of your time? Yeah. All See, the, I don't all think the that's energy, cool. Love getting shut down. It's mean, not cool. But that's I that's think why that's cool. the metaverse. That's why people from the meta in the metaverse camp, the real metaverse camp, are like, hell no. That's why centralization is bad. Yeah. Um, so exactly. but there's two sides. There's always two sides. For me, I'm, you know, all I can say is I'm excited about um decentralization. I'm excited about blockchain. I'm excited for, you know, quote unquote metaverse. I'm excited for what Horizon Worlds is doing. I think watching there were two or three experiences that I have had in here, and all of those were very I would say kind of like emotional experiences. One, one was watching a live performer sing and he was like a really great singer, but I just remember he stunned the entire room. Everyone was like stopped in their tracks, listening to this guy sing. And I was like, it was, you know, like the fourth dimension just happened, right? Yeah, we we're all in 3D here. Suddenly like a whole new, like a whole new dimension. Yeah. When I hear divine, exactly when I hear her sing as well. She, so yeah, you hear these like, that, that. 
Yeah, you hear these beautiful voices. So that's one side. Or you see like arguments happen or you see all I can say. What I'm saying is very real life shit happening. When you see real life stuff happening in here, that's when I'm like, oh, shit, I could never see this happening in Decentraland in its current form. Yeah. Or like Roblox or like whatever. Like here we have to see that. I could see that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So there's a certain level of realism that's happening here. And that is what I believe Gary Vee is missing. But that's because I don't even think. I think that was a byproduct of them putting together this environment. I don't know if they anticipated that happening. I got to be really honest, man. Because how do you, from a starter perspective, how do you design to account for culture coming in? We're such a diverse culture. So many different types of people. How do you account? Like you just have to be able to create a platform where us, the creators, will come in and then we'll sort of intertwine into those worlds. But this is where freedom comes in, right? The freedom to express yourself in any way possible. That's how every. That's how everything was created, right? In the U.S., this is how we became number oh, one. It's just like Twitter. It's, as long as it's following the Constitution, it should be able yeah. to happen here in the metaverse. There should be people to be free to express their fucking perverted, weird shit that they want to make. If they want to make a world just full of dicks, let them do that shit, bro. Like. Don't shut them down <sighs> for being weird. Like that's hardest just, you gotta, for you. You got to think about it from the perspective though of also from like, imagine, imagine we own this company, <laughs> the three of us right here, right? It's like at the end of the day, how many lawsuits are going to come because of all those dicks on the wall? Like we just found out this week, this weekend, warnings got like some shit in here. Like, <laughs> are you, do you verify? Are you, you 18 are, plus? This is an explicit web. This is an explicit world. Do you agree to be in an explicit world? That's yeah. essentially what they need. Just uh, you sign away any terms to yeah, like a waiver. Like yeah. Yeah. Like you will not I think get offended. The, I, think, I think eventually they're going to have to do it. But do you guys but, on Facebook itself, do you see pages that are like kind of let's call rated X pages? No, I don't think I've seen that on Facebook. No, I haven't. No. And Facebook's they really control their ads and all stuff. So I just don't see that happening here. I it, it mm. seems to me like maybe at a certain point they might put out like an adult version, adult only. Although this is the adults only version, right? This is yeah, it's it eighteen is, it plus. Is. That's why I don't get it. <laughs> eighteen <right>? plus. <laughs> but like back to what we're yeah. saying, like it's important to like allow freedom, right? Allow freedom for everybody to express itself with creative imagination, ideas, everything, because. That's what creates a platform. That's what creates a a new generation, a new evolution of something where people get inspired because of this one thing and that other thing. People get inspired from that and they go on and they create the next evolution of whatever that is. And that keeps going. So that's how you keep sure. on living and creating something that people love and they care about. Because people, based on, you know, the free the free market or the, you know, just being creative and free to do things. It kind of promotes more. It promotes more imagination. It promotes more creativity. It promotes something that hasn't been created to be created. Yeah. And that's what human is about, like being human. It's mm-hmm. That's what you keep looking for. You wake yeah. up and you look forward to something the next day that's going to make you excited. Because why? It's something new. It's something right. different. It's something that is right. going to give people a new type of experience. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it's important just for the sake of inclusivity, being inclusive to yeah. all communities and all people. I think it's important. Um, this is just a, this is a variable, right? That's the way I see it. Like I have no control. Yeah. Over it. We don't have control over it. Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and his team have control over it. I understand why as a business owner, as a CEO of a company, I understand how they, why they, why they're making those decisions from a legal standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. I personally am like, of, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I'm like, I wish people can really express themselves and these kinds of things. At the same time, it's like, 
if you cut out all the let's call the perverted stuff and yeah. you cut out you know some of these kind of like let's call worlds that are i don't know if they encourage harassment or whatever fine okay cut those out does that make this platform like that much worse or better off i don't know i'm not sure maybe there's no answer um, to that um i personally I feel like it's just not going like, to be people aren't going to be wanting to come in as bad like the reason why people come in here yeah it's not authentic you have to sense yourself people girls love getting ratchet in here because they feel safe doing it in the metaverse and vr so they can act like how they want and not worried about a guy being crazy towards them right right right. and people want to party like in the real world and when you party there's drugs and alcohol regardless of how much you like it and money being spent there's adult things that happen for entertainment for the adult community that we do sure. normally sure mm. well i think this is just something these guys are gonna have to figure out at ultimately in the yeah. end it's gonna be up to their shareholders to agree whether they take that shit out or not and exactly. if there's more shareholder value then <laughs> it'll stay um i just when i saw the my world's been shut down i was like ooh, because that's happened a couple of times where i've been on your this world got shut as, down no, not my world. It was like oh, the, okay. on Instagram. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but I, what I will say is here, and as builders, you know, this happens in here for those listening that aren't builders. When you build a world, you'll spend all your time building and you hit publish. And that moment where you hit publish, you get a, a pop-up that says pretty much like, we own this. Mm-hmm. If you, Basically, even if you die, right. we can keep it, continue to resell it, market exactly. it, you know, whatever. Um, you oh, can never really? unpublish once you're published. And like, right. sign here to agree. And until you do that, you can't publish your. Right, right, right. I, I did see that the other day. Yeah. <laughs> you so can't it's like unpublish. whenever I, you can't unpublish. So every time I see that shit, I'm like, what the hell? It's that's the reminder that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just in a. It's okay, I'm in a centralized virtual reality environment. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I think over time there will be currencies on here, and it'll we'll probably start seeing more blockchain ism mm-hmm. you know encroach into the platform um but for what it is right now i think it's cool obviously it's giving a platform an, an amazing opportunity i you know i meet so many amazing builders that weren't builders that are yeah. making money in here now and i'm like holy shit it's incredible right 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 so before we go further deep down that conversation with those topics actually i wanted to like peel back a little bit and i wanted to dig in into leo you sure as a person, I wanted to dig in more to you as an architect. So you're an architect in the real world, right? Right. Right. All right. So as an architect in the real world, well, first off, what even got you started to be an architect? Oh, man. It was just, to be honest, this was just one of my passions when I was a kid. Um, you know, my dad tells me stories of back in the day, you know, how everyone had like vinyls. <laughs> the vinyl disc i used to take the sleeves off his vinyls you know those cardboard sleeves and i would make i would cut them up and i'd make little houses of them and i was like seven um that's cool i just wouldn't be able to sleep i would have these ideas for houses or f- who knows what and so i think that was just a passion when i was a kid i didn't even know what it was called i didn't know it was called architecture i was just into kind of creating spaces and stuff like that it was like something i had fun with and it was funny because one day i was working um it was my first job and I was young. I was like, I think 15, maybe. And some guy saw me drawing a line and he said, that's a really straight line. Um, you should consider being an architect. And I was like, what's that? 
rooms, <laughs> like archi- architects make, you know, houses and stadiums and things like that. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And actually I was, I was younger than 15. I must've been like 13. And so I remember going like, wow, from that point out, I just went gung ho into architecture. Every single that's book so that cool. I bought, every single thing wait, wait, that I did was about from, architecture. And from 13 years old, you said? Yeah. Yeah. That's Damn. so cool. My first, my first job in the architecture world, I was 15 years old. And I remember what? it because it was that guy, the guy who saw me drawing a napkin, his like friend owned an architecture firm. And I remember he, And he remembers that. <laughs> dun, dun, he re- dun. <laughs> right. You remember uh, what? <laughs> so, yeah, what, what I was saying is <laughs> <laughs> that guy invited me to go work at, at an office. And so I was 15 in Florida where I was living at the time. Um, you get a learner's permit at 16. And I remember begging my parents, like, please let me drive the car at 15. And because I was going to an architecture office during the summer, they were like, fine. And so they let me. Um, so I remember all my homies were getting together to go play football and bullshit and, you know, go you you know, do what 15-year-olds do. And I was like, I remember I'd go to school in a tie. And my my friends would clown on me. They'd be like, ah, Banana Republic over here and blah, Preppy and blah, blah. Yeah. We're, we're all from New York. So we all kind of clown on each other. And um, And so, yeah, that was the beginning of my time in the architecture world. But it was sick. I remember being 15 years old and going to – you know, visit a facility and they were like, hello, sir. Oh, are you here for the measurements? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, he called me fucking sir. I'm 15. And I just (laughs) remember coolest shit ever. (laughs) Yeah, it was cool. You know? And I just remember getting my first check and I, one crazy experience is I designed a house. I had to show up. I was going to be re taking measurements of their backyard. And when I showed up at the house, um, a woman that I recognized opened the door, this woman named Mrs. Richards. And she was my friend from school, her mom. So it was her house. We're going to take this quick moment to announce that we are sponsored by. Uh, okay, I'm back. Okay, He's back, sorry. everybody. You're good, bro. We're back Goodness, from that commercial break by Kiwi Design. <laughs> no, Remember, don't Kiwi worry Design. about it. You warned us. You were just yeah, saying that yeah. you saw Mrs. Richardson. <laughs> saw Mrs. Milk. Richards. She was like, Leo, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm here to measure the house. And it was just weird being at like my friend's parents' house to go like help them redo shit, you know? And so. Yeah, man, those are my early experiences in architecture. But um, but yeah, eventually I went on to go study architecture. Uh, I went to FAU for a couple of years down in Boca Raton in Florida. And I eventually went to a school in California that's a really small private school. It's about 500 students. It's considered top three architecture awesome. school in the world. It was super hard to get in. And I remember I worked my ass off all summer to try to, you know, for Wait, what's the name of the school? to get in that school. Southern California Institute of Architecture or SIARC. Is the way is the way you look it up. Wait, wait, um, what was the city? Was that Irvine? That was in Los Angeles, right in downtown, downtown LA, right in oh, the hood. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was nuts, man. But yeah, we got I got in, and I remember that changed my life. That I think that moment. I mean, even though I was very entrepreneurial up until that point, I was still a kid. When I got accepted to Cyarc, I showed up there, and it was like fucking. You would see like Frank Gehry on crits on critiques where you know students were presented to people like Frank Gehry or Zaha Hadid or Shagir Rabban. These are all like world famous, like the best architects in the world. Like Frank Gehry designed yeah. Facebook's headquarters. You know what I mean? And so being around those level, that caliber of architect changed me completely because it was like, wow, I have to get very serious about this. You're with the and big dogs now. Yeah, you're with the big dogs. And so very quickly we started, you know, I had to just work my ass off in the world and that brought me basically all over the world, man. It eventually, I uh, was living in LA for a little bit, worked with 
uh, Frank Gehry's office. I worked on a project in Sentosa in Singapore. Um, I went on to work with a couple other cool architects and eventually landed a job out in China and moved out to Beijing. Was going to be out there for about a year or so and ended up being there for seven years. So I'm, I'm just recently returning back from China in the last couple of years. Holy shit. I remember yeah. actually when we, we talked a couple of times in here in the studio and you you talk a little bit about like the whole like, yeah, I lived in China. I did like architecture out there. I'm born in Beijing. And like, wh- what is that experience like out there? You know, a complete different country, complete different culture, complete different style of design. Oh, yeah. How was that? Dude, it was it was amazing. It was, um, honestly, it was, I, I, at the time I was living in Miami, Florida before I accepted that job. So in Miami, it was like, I don't know. It's just different. It's a Miami's a full, I was in Brickell. So it's like the fully developed version of Miami, right? Moving to China where it's like freaking four times the amount of people that you see in the U S you know, like a bunch more land. And yeah, it's like, it's an insane amount of people and and you see, you see Beijing, you see Shanghai, you see Shenzhen. These are all very developed cities. But then you go 20 minutes outside and it's not very developed. So for an architect, or really for any, for even entrepreneurs, it's a bit like um, the way being in Beijing right now is a bit like being in New York in the 1920s. Like so exciting. It's like, you know, it's, it's prime for the picking. And so when That's I arrived cool. there, it was like, yeah, it was fucking amazing, man. Dude, I mean, and it's funny because here in the States, I was working, even though I was working on really cool projects, I had never had the opportunities that I had when I was in China. When I flew into China, I remember the first week I flew into China, um, they flew me out. It was weird. They were like, we have a meeting in the South. We need to fly you out there to go represent us. And I was like, well, that's already weird. That never happened in the U.S. I'm like, all right, cool. Fly me out. (laughs) They fly me out. And when I get there, they were having a groundbreaking event for the building. And I'm like, where's the building? And they're like, well, that's why you're here. You're going to design it. And I was like, Holy what? And they're like, you have three months. And I was like, three months for the design? Where's my team? They're like, no, no, no. Three months for the design and the construction. We need to be completed in three months. And so that was my first mission. I had to design two expo Wait, 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 wait. For the design months. and the construction? Like the like yep. the whole finished build? Like the actual build? Everything, bro. Everything. So what? obviously permits don't mean anything in China. Literally. It does. It does. When you're working on, when you're working, especially in government, buildings you know towers airports things like that it's very it takes more time but in this particular case i was in an area where it was more of a rural part of china and so yeah, yeah. the guy the person who i broke the who, the person who handed me the shovel where i broke the ground was the mayor of that town and so wow. he you know he was the one that signed off on these things so so yeah from uh from an experience standpoint already from a career standpoint within the first month i was like where am i this is insane and i remember back then i would journal I was journaling all my experiences and just like everything That's was just cool. so different. The people were different. The culture is so different. The food is different. Um, there's a saying in, in China from uh, amongst the expat community that if you can stay at least 90 days, so three months, if you can get over that initial hump, you're good to go. And because within those 90 days, it's like you're going to have an insane culture clash. You're going to see shit that you wish you didn't see. You know, the Chinese have very different customs than us, especially in rural China. Um they are, you got to think 50 years ago, they were, there's a, there's an expression in China that says Chifa Laman, or I actually, I'm saying it wrong, Chifa Lama, or however they said. Wow. Um, and it means, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, he fucking paused. We would, uh, I say it one more time, say it one more time, I want to hear it again. What is it? Chifan, Chifan, which means food, Chifan Lama, 
have you eaten today? That's the expression. It's a term of endearment. It was how people used to say hello to each other. And it was because just 50 years ago, the average person wasn't even having one meal a day. And so they all really care for each other. And they'd be like, uh, Chifalama, have you eaten today? No, here, here's some rice. And they'd take wow. care of each other. 50 years ago. And now they're the fastest growing country per capita in the world. And they're, they're due to take over our economy any second now. And so, yeah. What bro, makes it, it much just like? Though? What do you mean? What makes them the fast growing country though? Like how did they go from uh, 50 years ago being like that? So they got 1.3 like, billion yeah. people, bro. Yeah, hustling. I mean, that's, uh, so there's more to it. There was, yeah, was there was, that's a culture? huge component of it. I, the culture, if you talk about the culture, they, they were coming out of communism, right? So they came out of like hardcore communism. And at that point, it was more of a agrarian revolution, right? And so the idea, uh, you know, Chairman Mao or whatever was all about like, let's get off of the universal system and let's kind of focus on feeding ourselves. And they, when you talk to governments over there, they talk about their three or four like top priorities. The first top priority was making sure everyone was fed. The second was making sure everyone was housed. The third one was making sure everyone has education, things like this, like very basic prime things. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't, because just 50 years ago, they couldn't do it. They had a leader that came in that decided to open up China to investment. And once investment came into China from the Western world, it naturally, a lot of companies started growing. And so China became what's known as a you know soft communist country it's a it's really what it is is a pseudo communist capitalist country most people don't they think china's super capitalist and i'm like bro if china's capitalist why is there a 17 year old rolling around in a lamborghini on the street and a homeless guy over there like real communism is that everyone has the same and you know whether they're all suffering or whether they're all rich, whatever these were they're disparate completely different factions of like society and so right right um seeing yeah so anyway but but yeah, with that, it's it was just a fucking insane experience, man. I really loved it over there. We like I said, I I had planned on being out there for a year. I was like, Max, I'll be out here for a year because like you you know you got to get used to certain things, basic yeah. things, guys. Like a fucking a toilet, like it's a hole in the ground. <laughs> like you got to squat. You know what I mean? They're like yeah. uh, people smoke indoors, or people like spit on the floor while you're eating, and so like there are all these things that are like culturally like kind of nuts. Um. But but yeah, once I got over that and once I got turned on to, I think what you were talking about before, why China grew so quickly, I saw something in China that I hadn't seen here. And that was there was like an entrepreneurial spirit in the young in the youth, like what we have here. But the difference is over there. They had a lot of programs that the entrepreneurs are being supported by. And so That's even cool. me at that time, I was in the architecture world, but I was kind of delving into the 3D printing world. I'd, I've been 3D printing for over 15 years now. And cool. so I was delving into the idea of maybe teaching people how to 3D print. And I did one little workshop. And within three months, I had 16 3D printers that were given to me. I had uh, an office in like a fucking dope ass building. Um, we were doing fashion events. I did 3D printed fashion events. I got a Guinness World Record for the large, world's largest 3D printed structure. And all that was what? through support. Support from different, yeah, private and public entities that wanted to support innovation in, in their city, in their in their country. And so th- when I came back here to the States just three years ago, I remember being like, man, I had a Guinness World Record. I had invented a machine. I, guys, I invented a 3D printer. Well, I didn't. My engineers did. Invented a 3D printer that prints food. And like this was like real shit. Like we were working with like yeah. dope clients like the Four Seasons and Ritz Carlton's like really dope shit. And when I came back to Miami just a few years ago, 
I remember being like, hey, uh, 3D printing, is 3D printing a thing out here? And they were like, what's, they were like, yeah, not really. They didn't really care about these topics. Yeah. And so that's why I say, that's why China, I think, has grown so quickly is that they care about these fucking topics and they have mm. 1.3 billion people willing to work 12 hour shifts. And when you get both of those things together, bro, it's, it's unstoppable. Like, it's, it's unstoppable. And and people sleep, I think, on China often. And they think that China is like our enemy. And they don't realize that China, people in China actually like Americans, like at least the younger people. I don't know about government, all that kind of shit. But when I meet younger people in China, they're like, you're from New York. Oh, shit. I love the Yankees and all this stuff. And they, they're just yeah. so friendly. And meanwhile, when we get a Chinese person here, I mean, you know, I'm pretty friendly to them. I'm sure you guys are too, but you know that we have our assholes here. They're going to be like, get out of here, China man. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Dude, I wonder, you you act like it's so coincidental. Like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, was just chilling and randomly got into the top 500 architectures or in the top three (laughs) architecture school in the world with only 500 people. Yeah, I was just chilling. They said I go to China and yeah, I'm just like freaking breaking ground and I'm the CEO of fucking China all of a sudden. it's. I'm thinking it's because you're a really talented individual, but you're not really giving yourself so much credit. Like, dude, they must think you're a badass architect if you're getting all these opportunities. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, okay. So what you're saying, yes, I'm a hard worker, man. Like if you really want to peel back the layers, I'll give you more about how I got to where I got. But I think all I can say is this, if, if anyone's interested in going to China, it doesn't really matter how many, how much skills they have, even if they're just like an English, even if they just speak English, you could already go there and be an English teacher. And I guess because you're in an environment, again, like the 1920s in New York, there's so much need for so many different types of innovation yeah. that you can go from being an English teacher to within three years owning a massive online English teaching platform. Like literally I met people that own multi-billion dollar companies and they were like 22. That's cool. They were so young and they were – yeah, like a guy who started Mobike who's a bike sharing company out there. It's like multi-billion dollar company and it was just an idea. So, so yes, I've worked really hard and I've got to the point where – I mean, I've been able to succeed to a certain extent, but I guess what I can say is just being out in a country like that. And I think really any developing country, to be honest, Latin America, parts of Africa, the same right now, where, you know, if you come in with some education and a specific skill set, you could really fucking crush it out there. Wow. It's not as competitive as the U.S. It's a different type of competition. It's not as collaborative. I will say that much. I didn't. I couldn't collaborate with many entrepreneurs out there, but I collaborated with institutions, which was yeah. weird. Like out there, Lamborghini took the time to find our firm. What? Or like you know, our government agencies and stuff like that. And so here, it's here. I get like I said. Every, here, the thing about an America is like everyone's a fucking star. Think about Horizon Worlds. This yeah. is one thing that kind of annoys me is I hear so much overhype on Instagram. Everyone's like overhyping themselves and overhyping with their bills. And I'm like, bro, like a little humility goes a long way. Just chill out. It's like the first like six months I'm we've been in here. I'm fucking slick, bro. I'm the coolest dude ever, bro. Come on, man. Better not try and humble me. Hell no. I'm the, coolest. I'm the most famous guy in the metaverse, man. Oh, man. I feel you, no, bro. No, no. I mean, yeah, this is like, this is like my soapbox here. That's what I'm saying. And so I think what I didn't realize until I went over there was my wife that actually mentioned, she, you know why the education system, um, she said the education system in the States is kind of shitty. 
compared to the way it is in China. And I was like, why? And she said, the difference is in, in America, we teach kids like, you know, Timmy falls. We're like, it's okay, Timmy, get up. You're going to be, you could be the president. Believe in yourself. In China, right. it's like, if Timmy falls off the horse, it's like, Timmy, get to the fucking back of the line. You're done. And <laughs> you piece well, of shit, kind of, Jimmy. kind of, but it's also like, you're going to get back on that horse. If it, even if it's a million times until you learn how to do it really well. And so okay. really what you end up realizing is that what America has that's really unique in the world is we have a lot of confidence here. <laughs> confidence. We do have a lot of yeah. confidence. We need confidence, but we don't need ego. We need to be comfortable in our abilities and willing to compete with the best. But then whether we win or lose, we got to be humble. Like, no. Bro, I ain't shit, man. If I left Horizon Worlds tomorrow, y'all would forget about me in two hours, right? Like, nobody's <laughs> anything. It's not what you did in the past. It's what you're doing now. So, yeah, get off the high horse and get good at your shit. And then to add to that, bro, the next big thing, is, well, the next big part of that is greed. Greed. It's greed, too, well. yeah. Greed is like the motherfucker of all motherfuckers that's for sure greed is what takes something great and steers it to the wrong direction and then crashes it and then burns it and then shits on it yeah greed ruins everything fun like oh we had a fun thing going and then somebody just wanted more than they could take like dude i was just watching kung fu panda bro kung fu panda 3 good ass (laughs) movie and the turtle freaking um Dude, how did I sensei fucking Mufasa or whatever? No, it's not Mufasa, but the turtle, him and this buffalo were like at war fighting. And then they found a bunch of pandas. The pandas were telling them about chi and chi. You can like heal things. And essentially it's like the elixir of life. (laughs) And this dude, the ox was like, bro, you can also steal chi and become powerful with their chi. Right. And he started stealing everybody's chi. And then Poe from Kung Fu Panda started beating his ass. But, yeah, it was a really cool freaking movie. And I forgot why I talk, started talking about Chi. <laughs> I, so I, I, I better, so I'm not sure you, how we you, got there. You, you, you led to that because I was talking about, like, greed. I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear about Oh, oh yeah, Ryan, greedy. Yeah, yeah the dude, yeah. he was yeah. getting greedy. He wanted all the Chi yeah. to himself, and he didn't want others to have Chi. So he started freaking stealing people's Chi and then – Poe, they found some pandas, and Poe and the pandas freaking got their chi connected, and they joined forces, and uh, the dude got the dude got messed up, man. <laughs> well, yeah, the thing with greed, greed. greed uh, with yeah. greed, greed's everywhere, right? Even over there, and so I think, I you know, I would meet people, young people that had that owned three or four apartments that were empty just because they were trying to compile, and so you have. Again, can you blame them? Fifty years ago, their great their grandparents didn't even have a fucking rice per day. They're like, they're nothing stopping them right now. They're not going to allow like some sanction from us to be like, I can only own one car. They're like, fuck that. I'm owning as much as possible. And so I think there's a little bit of like almost like um a balancing thing that's happening right now. What we don't realize is the economy has been going down here, and China's moving up, and we're we're entering a new a new stage. I don't know if you guys study economics and stuff like that, but. There's some interesting shit happening right now. Um, Downfall all I can of the say US is, dollar. 
I don't, I don't know, man. I'm not sure about that. But what I can say is the the thing that we have that's really unique about our culture is that yes, we are a very confident culture. Because of that, we are culture setters for the world, right? Look at our music, our sports. Yeah. If you think about it, right? The NBA, who's like the fucking most badass player? They're the ones who have, even if they're not arrogant and cocky, they seem that way just because they're portrayed that way, right? They're yeah. portrayed like these gods almost and musicians as well here so i think because we have that i I feel like we're gonna we're gonna have a soft culture lead for quite some time right because there's a there's a mental capacity has to change from a whole generation in china but economically speaking we can't compete with them (laughs) they're just at this point it's going to be really difficult for us to compete with them um and so i think well i don't know i don't want to go too deep into politics and shit but yeah China was sick. It was. He's dope. about to say really Trump. Trump's going to save the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, my whole thing is I want to see fucking. He was just about I to see say that shit, shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. when I was there when Trump got elected. And I remember people coming up to him and be like, so you guys can elect your leaders? Because in China, they can't. They're like, you guys can yeah. elect your leaders. And you selected that guy? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> this is America, right? Like, that's the beauty of America is like we – it's kind of a free for all in some ways. Um, so yeah. you can have a which is beautiful. It's a great thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, it's it's this just where di- you go from. This is this. That's where you go from rags <laughs> to riches. Yeah, which is I mean, a it's beautiful true. thing. I you know this whole topic has been one that I've been watching closely for quite some time. The question on like at what point a country gets rich and when you what you can't you can't deny the fact that countries all over the world the moment that they started bringing in types of capitalist systems in them they were able to flourish and grow but you also can't deny that in our system we have some social um what do you call sort of we're on a social decline Um, right we have we have all different kinds of things that are going on here um whether it's topics of racism those are the kind of things that are happening it's just fucking crazy but that's the thing though right anything that you introduce like it don't matter with anything you introduce there's a yin and yang anything even even if you just do it with the kindness of your heart and with the purity of just good it has a yang to it it has a defect you know why it has a defect because as humans i don't give a damn where the fuck you're from or where any part we're not that smart we only know one percent of the universe so imagine if we only understand one percent of the universe how are we gonna think that what decision that we make is gonna be the best and the most perfect when in reality, there's always going to be a yang to it. There's going to be like a negative side to it. There's going to be a bad part to it. Even when you don't have those intentions. It's because we it's don't have the that laws greater of understanding. Physics, bro. With every, just, with every just, action, there is simple. a positive and negative. You're equal and op- yeah. opposite reaction. And, and that's something that as a human, we should all accept is that we're not perfect. From the moment that we're born to the moment that we die. We're not perfect. That's why we die. <laughs> That's why there is a beginning. Yeah. Of it. Boom, 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 boom. I'm perfect. No, let me see. <laughs> Divine, you always perfect. And especially like that voice. <laughs> that voice was on the spot. Yeah! Shout out to Divine. <laughs> hey. hey, shout out to Divine. But yeah, so like, could you own real estate if you're an American in China? 
Uh, you can own kind of like, I think it's called a state-owned enterprise. So if you own a company out there, the company can own some real estate, but it's Bro, split let's start some state. businesses, man. Hell no. It's funny because even though I love China and everything's no. great, it's like <laughs> you get to that time. You know when you get to that time in a place where you're like, all right, now's the next thing. For us, for my, for my, at that time, for my girlfriend and I, we were like, we were yearning for America. <laughs> we wanted like, you know, clean streets. We wanted like... You know, we wanted our beautiful lifestyle here, which is what we have here. We wanted freedom. That was also another thing that out there, it's like, I don't know. There was really no violence that we saw there, but you could also see there was a general sense of, like, people pretty fucking scared of the cops. Um, yeah. It's just different. Like, just different. fuck so, around and get stupid. Well, yeah. And for us being foreigners and expats, like, I would always have, like, my our little bag, our travel bag, right? Passports, some money and like keys and shit, ready to go at any time. If fucking war broke out or whatever, we just got to do it. So we were kind of, we were getting to the point when we were like, you know what? We're ready to kind of move on with our lives and get, get married and maybe start a family. So we decided to move back stateside. Um, and it was a trip because we went through a reverse culture shock. You know, we went from an environment where you can pay for, there was, we've been using digital currencies out there for years. We were paid with everything with our phone to then coming back here Bitcoin. and people handing you like coins. Now, I mean, they had at that point it was Weishin, which was like their, uh, it's kind of mm. like their, Weishin is like their, it's like Facebook meets Twitter meets fucking like every other social media platform. And you can oh, do yeah, everything. They have you a can social currency. Yeah. Like you can do everything through your thing. So the point that I'm getting at is it was just crazy going from being in a very digital environment digitized environment to then coming back here and it was like it, it felt like we moved back in time a little bit so that was really oh, wow. interesting yeah That's well it, it, yeah like even the architecture out there like they're they're doing i mean I, guys i worked on huge projects out there like towers massive towers all this kind of stuff here like to do pull something like that off would take you know a lot of effort a lot of energy so i think um we're just different it's not it's not that one's better or the other yeah, it, it's just very it's very different. It's beautiful. It's amazing out there. I would definitely go visit out there. Um, but I, I, I'm enjoying being back in the US now. I mean, I have opportunities like this where I can get into the metaverse, you know, like I think they even banned the metaverse in China, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Or the building. Yeah, I heard yeah, they're building their own the or some shit. No, you can't use Facebook out there. You yeah, can't use Twitter. Like new, you can't they use have social a different type of Facebook. Yeah, people, people, when I came back here, people was like, what's your Instagram? I'm like, I fucking haven't used Instagram in seven years. They're like, where have you been? But why do they do that, though? It's communists, Um, bro. Now, I mean, that's a pretty Mm. overarching answer. I think it's maybe there's a level of control. But at the end of the day, you got to think about it like this. They're not going to allow Zuckerberg to go in there and collect their data. That's their data. It's true. They're not going to – that. there's security issues there. There is a lot of – so I think there's that. And then, of course, there's the control of information, which is a very kind of you know, communist are, are condition. Are they communists? That's what I've been calling China. China does not have a good rap in the United States, especially What is communist, right now. man? There's like – to understand, what you have to almost like ask yourself what is really communism. And the average person doesn't really even understand what real communism yeah. is. I think China – It seems there's a lot of capitalism that goes on. Yeah, I think I would say it was actually like a, an official that told me this out there. It was a government official. He said China is what he said. We're oh man, what do you say? We're communist with capitalist. I, I forgot how he put it, but essentially they're kind of a hybrid. The way I would, the way I see it, like there are certain things that are very kind of you know communist. When we think communist, we sort of all think control. 
that's like a very American thing. When we think communism, we're like control, right? And so I think there are definitely a few things that fall in that category over there that are under control. But bro, I see, I see, I see individual startups proliferating out there more than here. I see more activity happening in the AI movement out there, in the 3D printing movement, in I mean, even in what was happening with cryptocurrency before they officially shut it down, which it's back open again. But I do know that. Weibo, I believe, which is like their kind of Twitter is developing their own kind of metaverse. Mm. And so they don't need us. They've got 1.4 billion people. <laughs> they don't yeah, yeah, there's enough people I think, there. I think, <laughs> I think that's their whole like approach, right? The whole approach is kind of like we want to prove to the world that we could do it ourselves, right? Is it kind of like that? Look, I, this, I don't hope this doesn't offend anyone, but I think the the thing in China that I feel is like there's a little bit of an insecurity inside. Like they're having to, again, 50 years ago, they were like, they're broke. They're having to sort of like remake themselves. And so, yeah, they don't want, they want to be the innovators of the world. The cool, the cool thing in China is like China doesn't want to be, they're sick of seeing made in China. They don't want to see that anymore. They want to see invented, oh. designed in China. And so that's why they bring people like me out there. Mm. And what I learned over all those years now is that this is something that's historically been happening for thousands of years in this world where countries are literally recruiting top talent from other countries and bringing them over to teach their systems. And then eventually, once they've learned their shit, they kick them out and that's it, you know? And so I think China, bro, the the people that I've met out there, guys, yeah, like some of the most talented individuals I met out there, it's just incredible. And they're from all over the world, France, Sri Lanka, Africa, Latin America, different parts of Asia, of course, tons of Americans as well. So I think with what they're doing with regard to development, it's really, it's really impressive for sure. You know, here I'm in Florida where we couldn't even build a fucking uh, a high-speed train from Miami to Orlando. It's been like 10 years we've been talking about this shit. It's still not yeah. there. And they've got these trains that'll get you like from Beijing to Shanghai in like an hour. It's insane. So there's downsides Bro. and there's upsides. You see what I'm saying? And this is what this yeah. is what I see. And I would and to say it's communist, like, okay, well, Cuba's communist or Venezuela's communist. And there's like those are different types of communism. So it's a hard, it's a hard it's not like topic to discuss. It's just one thing. Yeah, and that's like a whole that's like a whole nother fight. I mean, North Korea is like a I know nothing about North Korea, but all I'm getting at is I think China was for anyone that's ever interested and curious and that might be a little scared or hesitant to go to China for all of the things we've learned here about China. A lot of that stuff is not necessarily true. And I think it's a really exciting place to to be. If you're a young, yeah, if you're a young entrepreneur and you're looking for a year or two to travel abroad, I would definitely check out Asia. They're going to be the, they're, they're going to be the, um, the the they're the fastest growing and they're going to be the largest economy in the world. So when that happens, all that really means is that a lot of those companies will very likely start buying out our companies. And so little by yeah. little, we're just going to start seeing more, you know, more how China we, coming. How out. do we, how do we overtake that as the U S how do we kind of like, Oh man, instead of, yeah. instead of them in our lights, how do we bring up the lights? For the U.S., that's a good question. You got to be more, I think, future oriented. Like we're too yeah, old fashioned. Think, yeah, when you you yeah. know if you if you want to look at a company that I think is doing right, Tesla, right, Elon, what he's doing with SpaceX and what they're doing with 
just really with all these things they're in he's innovating in, in problems that will matter in 20 years from now and so to the average person yeah. they don't think that's important but that's how china thinks they think more long term and when they do all their planning because they have so many people to move when they do their planning it's very sort of rudimentary pragmatic but very like hard-lined and that reminds me a little bit of elon's approach to how he's been developing his, his companies so i think if we can continue to foster innovation in this country you know if you if you look at um what's happening in Silicon Valley, but now they're all moving to Texas and Florida. If that type of culture continues to proliferate, if we continue to see, you know, sort of your garage startups, I think we'll always be able to be in front innovation wise. But I think economically speaking, I don't know if we will be able to get out in front of them because there's just so much of them, right? It's like, it's like moving yeah. a much, it's like trying to slow down a much, a much bigger and heavier train. Um, the only things that we can really do out there, which would might, you know, potentially cause some sort of harm is things like war and stuff like that. Um, but even that I'm sure would prop up their economy because it war props up all economies. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what we can do, but I, what I can say is what we need to be doing. And I don't know if this will put us in first place, but it'll keep us a close second is we need to continue to really invest in things like just contemporary technology. Right. Yeah. And, and whatever, whatever that means, manufacturing. Yes, definitely 3D printing, additive manufacturing is a very important part. But AI, um, I think it's insane to me that as a country, we're not really looking at digital currencies like the Fed is kind of just talking about it now. Meanwhile, they've they were talking about that shit out there for years now. And, and it was cool because they had private companies doing it. And so but they were partially state owned. So they were giving them a lot of room for development. And so because of that, you watch the generation of people move. Dude, from when I moved out there to the time that I left, I remember I moved out there and I had paper money in my hands. So the time I left, we didn't have any paper. It was all on our phones. And so I watched it happen in five years. So I think for us, what takes us 10 years takes them like five years. And because of that, as long as we're really fresh on in our innovation, they'll, you know, they'll continue to need us but i think we have to really do a better job at befriending hmm. china interesting so <laughs> so what i'm what i'm getting out of that we're really mean to the, we're really mean to those fuckers <laughs> hmm. so pretty much what i'm getting out of it it's like when they get an idea they jump on it faster and when they jump on it faster they have a faster execution because instead of like fighting against each other and holding each other back they kind of just team up and execute it and get to that point compared to here in a way it's like you come up with an idea you get criticized and you get pulled, well, and you get tugged. Not you even can't, criticized. You know, it's sure. like permits and waiting and shit. I feel like just to yeah. build a house, it takes over a year. You can build a tower There's, in three months. That's nuts. Right. Well, not a tower. This was an expo that was like two stories. But I think there's two sides of what you just said, right? There's on one side out there, what I've learned is that they're not really big on like new ideas. <laughs> I've watched this happen all the time where you'll say like, why don't you know, let's start a startup. We can do this idea. And they're like, no, no, no. Just copy that company and we'll just keep going. So you okay, get yeah, this copycat yeah, yeah, yeah. culture that, that you hear sense. about oh, yeah. often, right? And mm -hmm. they understand that themselves. Yeah. They're the masters of fucking reverse Copy. engineering, bro. They are the masters of that shit. And so what's smart about it is what they're doing is what investors do. They go, we only invest in low-risk investment, high reward. So if, if YouTube's already done it, TikTok's the next thing. We're just going to go video. We're going to make it a little bit shorter, and that's it. TikTok's now the fucking biggest growing platform in the world, right? Yeah. What they don't do is say, how do we come up with brand new, fresh ideas like just how a YouTube came about or like a PayPal, or at least at least they haven't historically done that. And the reason they haven't historically done that, and I've learned this really interesting was over there, 
back in the day, and China's 4,000 plus years old, right? Back in the day when an inventor, like a farmer invented something, if you invented it, you were like the joy of your, of your, uh, you know, what is it called? Your kind of village. But at the end of the day, the emperor owned that invention. And so for you, it was your civil duty and you were happy to go give your invention to the emperor. And the emperor made all the money from the, the proliferation of that invention. In the U.S., we were very different early on when we started as a union here. We took we took intellectual property more, you know, we were more severe about IP than any other country in the world. Yeah. And you saw the consequence of that in just 100 years. The American government, that's the one thing that we do super well is we protect our entrepreneurs, or we protect our IP, we protect our, you know, those laws. And I think in China, it's a bit more like we, they call it kind of like, eh, just kind of like, eh, just go with it. We'll just try things out. And so because of that, you know, it's just let's. Sometimes it'd be a little bit, a bit of a shit show over there. So like, yeah, you might have 6,000 people on a construction site, but it's 6,000 people on a construction site, right? Like here, we're yeah. moving to a state where we have 3D printers, you know, manned by two guys printing a house. And so that's what I mean. We need to be in front of that innovation because they're going to need that. Oh. Mm-hmm. I that's actually remember in like fourth, fifth grade, they were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I actually put down architect. And, bro, you want to tell I? Everybody was telling me, bro, you don't want to be an architect. You want to be an engineer. Don't be an architect. Architects don't get paid well. And I don't know why I listened, man. Because architects, architects still to this well, day so they weren't lying. <laughs> they don't get paid well. Uh, it's a tough industry, man. It's one of those industries that's like a bit like fashion. It's like you have to be the creme de la creme to make a lot mm. of money. Um, or you're a regular architect that does okay, or you're, you know, you're in the, with the rest of starving architects out there. So Engineers are like doctors or like lawyers that you almost have, like, once you get out of engineering school, you almost have a guaranteed spot and a good salary, six figure salary. Yeah. It's good to go. Architects, like the better, the better the architect I want to go work for, the shittier my pay is going to be because I have to, you know, I go, I want to go work with the star architect. So I have to be like, yeah. You know, 10 years working my ass off until they finally say, hey, you're going to, you know, be promoted. But engineering is different. But it's funny that you say that because I meet so many people here that tell me that, man. They're like, dude, I wanted to be an architect. And I'm like, well, now's your shot. <laughs> I thought it was so cool, bro. I thought that was like a really badass job. And then yeah, I kind of got like discouraged from it by adults. Do it. You and can still like do it. It's the culture. There's no, a, I've I already got Philip my Cook, path he was, now. He was 60. <laughs> yeah. Design some shit. So that brings me into this. How does architecture in the real world inspire you here in the metaverse? Right. Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, well, first off, it's very different. <laughs> it, it's so different because, right, right, like just on a basic level, you don't have like physics. There's no like, oh, gravity. and. <laughs> Right. There's right. no, there's no like pulling permits. There's no like, oh, I need this contractor. <laughs> Fuck this. I couldn't get my supplier in. Like none of that shit happens. And so suddenly you can just fucking do anything. Um, but I think the big difference in here is that we have the ability to really reimagine what space is. And I think architects in real life have historically always tried to do that, but using the materials that they had at, sort of at their disposal. And so you saw a huge shift in architects in the 50s 
uh, in 1950s and beyond because the advent of steel. Once steel came in, you saw towers. And so like suddenly as, a, as an industry, we're very influenced by our materiality, by the physical things, the atoms that define our industry. Here, like it's in many ways, it's a free-for-all. You can literally build anything or anyone could build anything. And so for me, it's been um, both interesting and a little bit of a challenge, to be honest. Interesting in that, like, of course, I could design whatever I want. So I'm like, wow, now what do I want to design? A challenge in that I'm like, man, just because you're an architect doesn't mean necessarily that you're good in VR, right? Like yeah. VR environments have a very unique, specific formula. And what I see in here, and we see it all the time, the worlds that do great are the ones that are like games. Like we talked about Regal Boxing, right? Like a boxing interactive mm. kind of thing. An architect might be able to design the arena, but there's so much more to these successful environments and worlds that are just than just the built environment. And so I think um, I think that's one of the constraints in VR or at least in meta that's a little difficult because like in a way you have to in here you if you want to be successful, you got to be a good builder, you got to be a good marketer, you got to be a good fucking at sales you got to be good at you know taxes you got to be good kind of at everything in architecture world it's like you really just only have to be good at building the building and designing that building really well um and you didn't have to worry about how it's going to get furnished necessarily i didn't worry about who what program is going to happen inside of there so it's very different i would say being in here is a bit more like being like an architect and a developer and a marketing person and the interior designer all yeah it's just a huge challenge i think the metaverse is some a- shit yeah sorry no, what if you build? If you don't want to, what what creations do you have in here? What are you most proud of? Yeah. Um. So I I don't really have too many creations right now. I just have a few. The first one that the first thing that I ever worked on. Well, I worked on a couple of just kind of simple buildings, more looking at like how to model in here. But the first time that I ever really had a handle on modeling was I did a house, really simple house. Um, but it was more of like a modern house. I hadn't seen that yet on this platform. Now I see modern houses everywhere, but it was a very sleek, simple, modern house. And my whole thinking was, I didn't care much about the design of the architecture. I wanted to, I was like, how can I make this an NFT and start selling this? How can I look at economies of scale in here? You know? And so I was really interested in that. I was less interested in how do I design and, you know, just do really fancy, cool looking shit. Um, after that house, I met a lot of really cool people and I ended up teaming up with, there was like seven of us total that teamed up for the Times Square build. And so that was a huge, that was a very successful build. That was, you know, it was a replica of Times Square. Stolen. Um, Scandals. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of scandal. <laughs> Stolen. Scandal. Uh, there was a bunch of scandal and shit there too. And it, it sucks that that whole, that whole situation ended up being kind of shitty. Um, Times Square gate. Yeah, Square we could go gate. into that. That's almost like a whole different episode at some point. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that was one. that was a cool that was a cool project. We you know the good the point is we had a really successful world and it was for me at least one of the first times that I was able to build that scale of a of a world. Yeah, and work mm-hmm. with really talented people. I don't know if Dot's still here. He's not. Um, you know, Dot Cam Chief uh, Rupert was on that. Harley Dunder. Um, we had a fucking just dope team on, on that one. And then after that, just recently, I just, uh, published cyber mall, which is kind of a, a take on the future of retail in, in the metaverse. Um, and so it's a very interesting looking architectural build and inside it has, you know, different types of stores. Unfortunately, I ran out of capacity, so I couldn't do as many stores as I wanted, but it has a couple different store concepts 
And right now it's mostly functioning as a hub because I have a lot of different doors in there. E. What were you going to say, Neil, before I rudely interrupted you? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, like, you know how, like, in here you do, like, a little bit of everything? Um, Like, from creating script, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was going to say, like, I feel like the metaverse is, like, a huge calling for people that are empath. Like, this is a big calling for people that are just empath. Because if you know empath, they can't stick to one thing. They can't be stuck Mm -hmm. in one lane in one tiny little box. And I feel sure. like this is like, I think this is like the golden apple that empaths have been waiting for is the metaverse. Right. Just for the simple fact that they're not tied down to one lane. They could be builders, they could be scripters, they could be DJs, they could they could take any lane that they ever wanted to take in life and experience and try it and put their actual hidden skills that they might have to full yeah. effect and in, in great and in great like latitude, you know, with that. Yeah. Yeah. What so do you mean by calling for empath, empath though? What do you mean empath? like for, by, as an empath? Like why I don't understand why an empath would be good here. Sorry. What do you mean by empath? What's uh, an empath? So, so an empath jack of all trades. Yeah, jack of all trades, a person that can't uh let's see, for example, um a person that can't just stick to one lane. Like you can't oh, just okay. be like you can't just be in one lane and kind of be like repetitive with that because something in you itches and something bothers you. Like you, you're you're skilled or talented in multiple things. You could be good in business. You could be doing good in sales. You could be good in building. You could be mm. good in so many things. Like they just have like multitude of like skills and things that will make them even happier. As a I person, thought you were which, talking like, "Yo, I'm an empath. I feel your energy right now. It, you're black." You have a black energy. I'm an empath. Is that the, is that the same thing, or that's different? It, yeah, it could be presented as that because empath is, is kind of like an energy based thing too. But it's like a yeah. Like that's what I spirit. always think of with empath. It's like oh yeah, I feel your energy. I know he's a nice guy. I'm an empath. I I can feel your energy. Yeah. Type shit. No, that that, that oh, is true. that is true. That is true. But like okay. when you look at an empath. What what kind of skill sets and traits do they bring? And it's exactly what I just said. They're multi mm. multi skilled. Yeah. You if really you think cool. about it, that's a very isn't that like a generational thing though too, right? Like kids now are growing up and already knowing how to use like all these different platforms on the internet. Yeah, so in yeah. a way they you almost like have to know how to have a you know, you're like fifteen, you have to have a good YouTube channel, you have to have a TikTok, yeah. you have to have an Instagram. Like when we were kid or when I was a kid, I didn't fucking have to do any of that shit except watch like, you know, my dope TV and that was it. Um hmm. it was just different. And I think that now people are becoming more generalist and all these kinds of things. So I think but I, I agree with you that this is an amazing opportunity for those kinds of individuals. I also think it's a really interesting opportunity. I have yet to really see it in here. Um, I think it'll take time. But I feel like I've often said, I don't think innovation often happens at the product level. Most, if you really want to look at innovation, it happens at the, the, the company level, the team level, right? Like how people work together, how that process works. And so I think being in here, we're seeing for the first time, I mean, guys, I've been in the 3D modeling space for years. And That's so cool. I'm going to talk to you about being, that after this. Yeah. Being able to interact on like the same digital model and being able to like bring music in there and like get a promoter in there and like do all this stuff is so incredible that you can do all that in, in this, this one thing. It's, 
it's just fucking cool. It brings me back to the point. If you need an event hosted, one verse will host it. Yeah. Be sure to get your event yeah. hosted by the One Verse Podcast, the number one podcast in the metaverse. You need a building designed, have Leo the architect design it. But yeah, bro, I want to, I've actually want to get some CAD software and 3D print some shit. And I want to do like everything, like keychains and all that. So you could definitely tell me the thing that I want to know is like the advice on the, the printer, the software and all that shit. So I'm going to have to definitely hit you up. Yeah, for sure. I The thing that I often tell people, because some people like you have the people that are interested in 3D printing from the application standpoint, like they just want to print their own kind of stuff, you know, like a little cap for their microphone or whatever. Or the other side of people that are like, I want to have like a printing business where I have like 20 printers and I print keychains all day yeah. and shit like that. I did a little bit of both. Um, and it's a it's a really interesting business to be in, I got to say. If you have like your good niche in there, it's a really it's fast growing, I think, too. Right. It's it's an untapped market to an extent. Or is it? I not? think. It, yeah. I wouldn't say it's fast growing because I think people are still trying to figure out how to like like why 3D printing matters. Yeah. Um, when you look mm-hmm. at a lot of technologies, these technologies take years. Right. And printing has been around for quite some time. But the pace really what happened, the innovation that really happened in 3D printing was that we went from being able to have a 3D printed piece that cost 400 parts, $400, to now having a machine that costs $400 that makes parts for $5. And so that rate of expansion is huge for the industry. I just don't – Yeah. like we – we need to be teaching this shit in schools here, man. <laughs> like oh, I, I, was, no. I taught this shit to thousands of people out there. I don't know why we're not teaching it here because, yeah, frankly, it's it's a bit like a vertical, like the metaverse. There's so many industries that it can affect. There's so many things that you can do. Yeah, um, I mean, we we printed we printed structures, you know, and so I definitely see a little tie up there between. For me personally, I'm very interested in the tie up between metaverse and 3D printing, and how yeah. those two might eventually mean something. Um, but that'll come in time, I'm sure. All right, guys. So we're going to take a freaking break real quick. If you don't mind, I'm going to refill my drink. Now is drink. when the party's about to get started. We're about to have some questions to ask you. We're going to play a fun little game and we're going to freaking, all right, we're going to freaking go guys. And I'll be fast as fuck boy. Bro. Yeah, man. I, the thing is I've only been, I've been pretty open talking to people about what <clears throat> you can do with 3d printing in here. I just, it's one of the niches that I really want to focus on in here. Cause like everyone's like, Oh, you're an yeah. architect. But like, I realized like everyone's a fucking architect in here, you know? And that's yeah. not, it's not a specific enough niche. It's not niche enough. So like, okay, I can know. do architecture and people are going to like it. And then eventually you'll start to see there is a, a, there is value in hiring an architect for projects. People will eventually see it shit over time. But yeah, man, I want to, I want to get deeper into additive manufacturing. That no, that experience that I had is, with the mask sale, it changed my That's view cool on business. As fuck. Yeah, man. It's yeah. Really how's the it's how's really the cool face business. mask doing now? I know it's selling. Uh, sales dropped a lot ever since the CDC of course. lifted the requirements. Yeah, you were loving COVID. COVID was making COVID you rich. Was, COVID was fu- COVID taught me about business. I had yeah. run. It was my fourth official venture that I was the CEO of. You know, and up until that point, I couldn't scale organizations. I was just building consultancies that can yeah. only scale past my time that I would spend. The mass was the first product that actually scale. And I could, I realized like, wow, you could actually leverage e-commerce and you can really 
leverage scalability. And so when we did, we did a Kickstarter. I remember one day, dude, we got one publication. It was like sales were coming in. They were kind of like whatever, but there was just one publication that went out. This one fucking particular publication that went out on a design blog. And when that publication went out within five hours, I remember we had already made 60,000 just in that day. Oh. And I was like, what the fuck? And you <laughs> and didn't invest what, in the printers, like, right? So you just created the file. You designed it. No, and You didn't no, no, have no, no, to no. buy the printers or you have the printers? No, the, the mask. So the only time 3D printing was used for the mask was in the prototyping phase. We we produced a, a real, like, just like the Oculus. As a matter of fact, the people oh, who wow. did the Oculus head strap did our head strap. Oh, nice. I remember we, so you went to I a manufacturer. We went to manufacturers. We did. We had like 20 something molds. It's a really, it's a really, I mean, it's a tech out mask. It's a big mask. It's not small. Remember, it has two fans inside of it and it, it pulls in air and it pushes them through HEPA filters, which filter out 99.97% of Is it a black one? Yeah. It's, well, you can change the skin. So it's black, white, pink, gray, or we have a galaxy print. That's kind of like a space theme. Bro, I think I've seen those actually. You might have. We were like, we were all over the. We won. I mean, this is a fucking. We. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it in here, but we won actually the Biden administration award. We were awarded one of the top ten mask designs out of five thousand mask entries in the U.S. Top ten. Wow. And yeah, we were super jazzed with that one. We won a little bit of money on that one, but we were. I was really hoping to get government contracts, and then COVID kind of subsided at that point. Mm -hmm. So now I'm debating. Yo, you're gonna get really. Since you have some NFT experience, maybe that's where we can exchange NFT for 3D printing stuff because I want to bring okay. Atmo Blue. I'm like, so one of the things about I can the help mask you with design, that for sure. Yeah, the mask has skins that you can like, they're plates that you can change out. So when we did the design, I had my designers do maybe like 50 different options, and those all just sat on our hard drive. I remember the first time I learned about NFTs, I was like, dude, my entire Atmo Blue collection is a fucking series of NFTs. Yeah. And I realized, wait a minute. If my customers theoretically are crowdfunding this next round of customization, now I could actually get my customers on the feedback loop in terms of what designs they like and don't like. And now the customers themselves could become the designers. And I was like, again, my brain, like, you know, a few months later, I met Meta. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm still nah. there. I just haven't, I haven't put the, I haven't, I haven't minted. I haven't tokenized the photos yet. Um, but they're there. They're ready. I just, you know, the file's there. My company's there. It's like, it's all legit. Uh, we were about to raise funding and I decided not to raise funding because I wanted to focus on maybe potentially looking at NFTs and seeing Dude, how that might Starting help. an NFT with it is the best way to raise funding because you get people, it, NFTs, first off, it's the hype. You learn from following the hype, bro. NFT is still the fucking hype. Crypto, yeah. ETH is really cheap. I don't know how you believe in crypto. What's your opinion on crypto? I'm pretty heavily invested. I mean, my portfolio is crap right now, but I'm pretty heavily invested in crypto. So, yeah, ETH and Bitcoin? Mostly ETH. Oh, okay, good. So you wouldn't I hold, mind I hold Bitcoin too, ETH. Of course. That's what I mean, right? So if you like ETH, I love ETH, and you yeah. want to get crowdfunding, dude, getting crowdfunded in ETH is like V-Friends, bro. And then the best part is the royalties. So like... Let's know, say you sick. freaking get that. They sell it and you get 7% of every sale yeah, sold after they man. sell it. Or 10%. But I just told you, we did we did, we did, did 2 million 
in under 90 days on Kickstarter. And Indiegogo. see, if you would have done that on an NFT, you'd get paid another two million from resales in royalties. I just, that's the thing is with NFT. The reason Gary V and like these kind of NFTs that do really well, I assume do really well, is because they have like fucking Utilities. Gary V behind it, right? Like a massive, but it's social media a good idea. So they're able to grow quickly. Terry Lane, look at that shit, right? Like yeah. all these NFTs that are doing great, they already have the market. an established community. Kind right? of, and so, kind of. Look at really? the Bored Apes. Nobody knew. Who the fuck is the creator? Nobody even knows who But that creator. was different. That was different because that was the first of its kind. That was like CryptoPunks. What about the CyberPunks? Oh, yeah, CryptoPunks, right? Cyber... The the crypto punks where they were the first of their kind. So if you it's yeah. like here's the here's the formula. If you're first of your kind, you're good to go. That's why Atmo Blue, the mass thing, might do okay because it'd be the first. Well, that's not yeah. true. There are companies that are doing NFTs and then you get a physical product. Can you imagine like you buy an N- NFT from our company, you get a mask. That's what I was just talking about. Skin. Yeah. That's what I was just talking about. That's what you should be doing. The I NFT is a chemical mask. I think you should like we should come together with the one verse and we should like do some fucking amazing shit. Cause he knows about crypto. I know about crypto NFTs as well. And you're an architect. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of smart minds could do something big. Forget forget the architect. The, the, this is what yeah, I tell people. He's a three D printing oh, fucking oh, master. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's a He's a business well, owner, quick, exactly. Quick, interesting business thing, That's, quick, quick yeah. interesting thing, though. Actually, originally, when I went to school, to college, I was actually to be an industrial designer. And I did oh, take yeah. some and I did take some architectural classes, and I did do some 3D printing stuff, too. Nice. 100%. I actually had to use A lot of people have interface with it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. I actually sure. had to use those skills. Um, have you ever heard what the um have you ever heard of that project Hyperloop that Elon crowd kind of like funded? Well, I actually participated in that shit. Like in California, <laughs> we're like there was like multiple That's universities, sick. industrial designers that came together <laughs> and they'll present their prototype of like the ideal, you know, like new transportation, the hyperloop to go from Los Angeles to San Francisco That's cool. kind of thing. And I actually participated in that and like, and I still kind of like have my version of it. I kind of like, I, um, I used clay to model it, modeled it with clay, but then I went into SolidWorks and in SolidWorks, I kind of created a 3D render. And then by that 3D nice. render, I printed it out on a 3D printer and I had like the physical presentation with sketch, you know, the, the fucking clay model and the whole 3D model as well. Um, so I, I cool, do have huh? a little bit of background with that. A little bit of background with yeah. that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of I mean, people I think don't actually once you, know that. <laughs> I actually know yeah, and once you no. have that, you you know, you have the ability to make most people don't realize this is like back in the day to, to manufacture a product, you'd have to have an idea, like an invention, right? And then you're like, all right, this is a cool invention. Here's a little shitty prototype that I like put together with materials around the house. But at a certain point, you need to move into manufacturing. And yeah. so Back then, you would have to, you know, you see it on Shark Tank all the time. People have to fly out to China and then they work with their manufacturers and they have to make, you know, when you manufacture a piece, you first you got to make the molds. Those molds are minimum 20,000 per mold. If you have multiple parts, you're talking hundreds of thousands in molding. And then you have to get a minimum inventory count. You cannot just say, I want a mold in one glass, like pair of glasses. You have to say, okay, I'm going to have 100,000 glasses. And they'll each cost me 59 cents, but I need to order this many glasses in order for that to make sense of those factories. Today, 
a 16-year-old could sit at their house with SolidWorks and a 3D printer and have their physical product like ready to go within several hours. Now, okay, it's not a multi-electronic and multiple materials and stuff like that. It's still kind of early in that sense. But as I mentioned to you with our company, with Atmo Blue, like we created – we. There was we had one situation that at the bottom of our mass we had an open air vent and with COVID as you know they changed it that you can't have vents, right? So the fix was okay. Let's just model a fucking vent. We modeled it in like an hour. We put it up online. We open. We made an open source file. All of our customers were able to download it immediately and have them printed within like days and plug them in and that was it. And so <laughs> when you think about three D printing on those terms, like think about the types of customization you can have in your life and so. I, I had to do – I don't know. I didn't tell Constant you this. So I did a TEDx. I did a TEDx when I was in, in Beijing. And my the thing that I'd often talk to people about was the future of where 3D printing was going. Was going. And the thing that I think would get people, most people excited is I would say, dude, like today when you want a pair of shoes, you know, you get your Nikes from the mall or you go to the Nike store or whatever. But as we just saw, they just purchased out RTKL, whatever the hell that brand is, that Metaverse brand, right? And they're doing their NFT shoe now. And right mm-hmm. now, the NFT may not seem, you know, to people that don't understand Metaverse or NFTs, they're like, oh, this is like, what is this? Like some like gaming thing? This seems kind of insignificant. They don't realize very quickly Nike can move into a situation where they release a Nike machine, the Nike machine that we put in our closets. And we download our files for 99 oh, cents. fuck, bro. And we print our shoe and we wear Dude, our shoe. Dude, you. And we wear it for a fucking day. What? Hold on. We wear it for a fucking day. And then we go home and we're like, yo, I think I want that shit in red instead. I'm going to put it in the machine. It's going to grind it. And it's gonna, I'm going to order Kanye's new shoe for 99 you cents. F- and it's no. going to print again and it's going to go out. Bro. Bro. Or yeah, just the we, NFT. We can Kanye do an entire, just released the NFT. Can, you we can buy do the an NFT fucking oh, podcast my. on just this kind of shit. Trust me, like the shit and the, we, the have food. We're gonna oh, have to come yeah. back to this one. Yo, the food printing, the food printing, printing is yeah. sick. Yo, dude, yeah. not, not only wait, not only just food printing, not only but organisms, organs, lungs, hearts. Yeah, that part gets uh, scary. Arms, <laughs> replacements, legs. We printed. There's actually reprintable mm-hmm. things for people that have no oh, legs yeah. or no arm that you could just print it out and boom, there they go. So, like, for things bro, like that, just for NF- the scale of food and organisms, bro, it's going to be crazy. But you see – NFTs are going see, to be, like, physical you guys, goods that you can get yourself exactly. and download. Are you guys familiar with the term uh, convergence? Convergence? Not, no. Yeah, conver- convergence yeah. in technology. This is, like, a term that was mm-hmm. developed by, you know, like, Silicon Valley mm-hmm. types. Um but this is an idea that at a certain point we're going to con- – all things will converge. Like all technologies will sort of converge, right? And like we'll converge, mm-hmm. with, our, we'll converge with our phones. We're kind of already moving towards convergence right now. Like we yeah. are, already are kind of uploaded to computers. You know, we can't live without our phones. So we're already kind of like part humanoid. Anyway, that's a different topic. Yeah. But what I was going to get to that is that oh my gosh. 3D printing I believe wasn't able to proliferate because it hadn't converged with – a few other very necessary things. And I think the NFT movement and I think the cryptocurrency movement are going to be catalysts for 3D printing to become something quite different than what we know it today. And eventually it'll become very commonplace. But exactly. we're just early. I, I, just early. I definitely, I definitely <laughs> see that vision that you're talking about. So like, yeah. like, you know, playing around with a little bit of like 3D printing and like reading the articles and seeing what my classmates would do and seeing what I would even do with 3D printers Bro, it's like a yeah. Pandora box of like, hey, yeah. like, 
whatever comes to my mind right now in this moment, a new phone case, uh, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, my mom needs a new fucking spoon, whatever, in this sure. moment. 3D print it, boom, there you go. Yeah, I well, I think that's the way everyone romantic, like, that was the romantic view of 3D printing. And I've done some, some stuff like that, like, for my wife, I 3D printed, like, a little, like, clip holder for her purse or something like, you know, like, these things happen, like, these kind of random little one-offs that I make at home. But I think where it got freaking nuts is when we started printing structures for instance yeah like i went from doing i i made a dome it was a very simple dome it was mostly made of wood but the the no the nodes where all the wood comes together then that holds everything together was 3d printed and we were able to design in such a way that it all fit in a backpack and you can carry it so we literally carried this dome on our in a backpack on the great wall of china and built a dome and you can build it within two hours like a connected set and that for me was a very, mm. it was a very, it was the first project we'd ever done in the kind of like, let's call architecture installation scale. And I realized like, wait a minute, that means I could do like rapid deployable structures and blah, blah, blah. And I started getting really interested in this. When we were approached to do that Guinness World Record project, we had to print, it, the, to beat the record, you had to print 1.87 tons of plastic. And I remember thinking like, what the, that's so much plastic. Like, I don't want, I don't want our firm, our studio to be associated with you know, that, that sounds horrible. Yeah. So we teamed up with a company that was creating plastic made from corn cellulose. So literally corn. I was just about to talk about that. That's crazy. And we printed our structure literally like fucking Legos. Like we made essentially like a large Lego set. So you can just nest it all together. And we built this massive structure. It was four, four meters tall, about four or five meters wide, all built out of corn. Biodegradable. <laughs> like mostly corn. Huh? biodegradable and the cool thing is we design it in such a way it stays intact the cool thing is we design in such a way like each lego brick you could like basically the idea was each student was going to be able to come take a brick off the wall and that brick as soon as you stick a light inside of it is a lamp for their desk so we had this whole like for us i was like you know what if we're going to print plastic let's make an entire like end use holistic scenario and so we really looked at like the end use scenario for that all the way down to biodegrade, bio, you know, the, the biodegradation of that item, but mostly, mostly the reuse of that item, right? The upcycling of that item in a person's home. And that was, again, another moment that I was like, Phew. the How Guinness was like almost less? irrelevant. Bro, bro, this Dude, is, it's plastic. So years. Yeah. Like, so how, do you, how does it biodegrade? Like what makes it biodegrade? You got to, you got to essentially crush it, crush it up, stick it in the ground, the oil, the soil. And the natural earth's elements will start eating away at it. The only oh, thing you so got to crush it up. So yeah. People... yeah, you do got to crush it up. It bro, doesn't bro. just Freaking... disappear. I know of a company that did this whole 3D printing and they figured out a whole material of hemp. 3D printing hemp yeah. materials. Yeah. 3D printing hemp. I remember mm-hmm. that shit. That right there, that is the way to do it. Like, bro, hemp? Really? You just make shit out of hemp? From shirts, from products, from walls, texture? Like, literally. That's something that when it goes to shit, it's going to go to shit in a good, positive way. Because you, uh, you could you could read, you could reuse hemp for different type of things to redesign yeah, things. Like you or wanting, it, yeah. Yeah. Wherever, I mean, there's so, just like, there are so many green crops like bamboo. 
Um, Dude, I, I'll tell you about coffee. bamboo. I'm in Puerto Rico, coffee grinds. I'm talking to a company out there, a finca that has, they grow coffee and they don't know what to do with all these grinds. We can literally take it. We can mix it into our PLA corn-based plastic. Yeah. We can now 3D print little goods for them to give to their customers and their customers will literally buy what was previously their trash. That's cool. We did this with a, a mango farm in China where this is where the food part comes in. The food part will fucking blow your guys' mind, man. Because it's like, honestly, it blows my mind. I'm, some days yeah, I'm let's surprised the I'm food still part. Not, dude, the food part's just nuts. put it's like just, random ingredients, uh, like healthy food that you can eat in the shape of anything. All right, so here's oh, how it started. For for us, it was really simple. We had been 3D printing for years. You know, I had been 3D printing, like I said, little, little statuettes of models and stuff like that. But eventually started 3D printing useful things like fashion accessories and glasses and structures and blah, blah, blah. We got to a certain point after a couple of years that we were like kind of the go-to brand for 3D printing in Beijing. And so at that time, I was thinking like, man, we how do we do something that's more relevant to more people? Because we weren't connecting with like the older generation in China. And that for me was kind of important. I wanted to connect with like the cultural side. And it was just in a kind of a charrette, just like this. We're just sitting around talking. And I proposed the idea of what if we can 3D print, what did I say? What if we can 3D print um, chocolate to be healthier than an apple? And it was a joke. All of us were high. And it was like that. <laughs> you can smoke weed in China. That's scary as fuck. You go to life no, in you prison, can, And bro. you can smoke weed out there. But it was just like, a, again, it's like in the, in our charrettes, it was like no, no ideas you know, off limits, say whatever you want. We just threw it in the middle. It was a joke. It was like, oh my God, that'd be crazy. What if we could 3D print chocolate? What if we could do this and blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, I think it was, we started hacking one of our machines and about two weeks after that, so four weeks after total, we were printing chocolate. And pretty much all it is, is, uh, you know, have you guys seen um, in pastry shops where they have like a pipe, a piper, like a piping bag? You know, yeah, they usually yeah. do decoration on cakes and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. The so bag think about that, that concept. The little thing off the corner. Exactly. So think about that concept. Shit. You just have a paste. You got to go. <laughs> if you just have a paste and you could, you could literally squeeze it out of this thing. But up until that point, it's attached to a human's hand. So all you're really doing is replacing the human with a robot. That's what 3D printing food is. We're oh. able to print any kind of paste. And so because of that, we could print – I mean we did, a, we did a few different fucking things. But the, the thing that I want to tell you guys that I think was really cool is there were two areas where we got really interested in. And one was the nutritional aspect of it. And so we were trying to raise funding for a company. Um, the name of the company or the machine was going to be called Joy. And that machine was literally meant to be a printer for our homes or our kitchens. And essentially you could print – I could – I could select from my phone a set of preset snacks. I could input bio information like my weight, if I want to lose weight, things like that in advance. And now the machine can just automatically print me snacks throughout the day because snacking is one of the worst parts for our health. We don't know how to yeah. snack as, as humans. So the point was it would, it would print snacks. But then the cool part is and the reason we're calling it joy is we were trying to bring wellness back into people's homes. Mm -hmm. So we were focusing exclusively on people who suffered with very severe pains like arthritis and stuff like this and we started talking to cannabis companies about doing edibles that were 3d printed and oh. this is where it gets really cool <laughs> so we never really got to do it we were able to print one off but we never really got to actually build a company at least not yet it's something that might come up in the future but the idea was imagine if you could have a machine where i could Again, if I have, you know, a certain disease or something like this, 
I don't want to be in the combustion part of cannabis. I just want to be in the edible part. And so I could just say print on my machine and it'll just print me out a little cookie and I could just eat it and I'm good to go. The cool you just part have to about have the is, bag of mush to put in the machine. Well, we, we were able to move beyond mush. We were able to now move into things like powders and we could we could move into a, a few different materials where we could start mixing them. The cool thing is for us, at, when we when we first hacked our machine, we did a real simple show in China, in Beijing. We invited, I think it was like 20 people and we had a bunch of media show up. It was like news channels because we did a whole thing on 3D printed food. And what we didn't realize is how many people were going to be interested from the food and beverage side of things. Like, you know, F&B retail, right? Restaurants. Yeah. And so what we did is at that time, we had a really simple hacked machine. It was literally like we had parts taped together on that machine that we hacked the code. And uh, there was a bunch of shit we had to do. But eventually what we were able to do was we were able to get that machine into the Four Seasons to go collaborate with a chef who was a Michelin star chef. And that chef taught us about food because we were we're like engineers. We didn't know anything about food. Yeah. We didn't even know how to melt chocolate, you know, and this guy was able to talk about like, here, you mix this with that and blah, 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 blah. And so with that chef, we did a few private shows. We, we did a private dining, like where we'd have like very important people, 12, 10, 12 people. And we do like a full 3D printing event sh- showing them and they would be eating. We did like 3D printed foie gras and we did um, just all kinds of different types of delicious food, like really delicious fucking gastronomical, you know, gastronomy essentially. Um, so yeah, the food, the food part is like, it has a lot of, it has a lot of significance in the, also the military and the medical space. But the part that I'm really interested in is the part that's like the consumer facing. So I'm just trying to understand, you get this powder and you dump this powder in this machine. So everything's the same material and you just do it a different shape. Or do you have like flavors built into the machine? So they combine flavors to make different flavors and you don't have to refill those as much. Yeah, it's like a the most basic, more or less. The most basic cartridges that you have today are paste. It is like you said, a mush, and there's only certain things that you can mush, but you can move into the point where you're moving into powders and hydrating those powders and mixing them. And at that point, you can get into mixes and different like variables. flavors. Because I feel like it would be the mush, and it's just one flavor in a different shape. No, I mean it gets way deeper than that. For instance, there's a company in Spain. These guys are fucking awesome. They're 3D printing meat. I don't know if you guys – you guys have probably heard it. They've been all over the news. Yeah. And that guy, one of the things that was really interesting is like we, what we were discussing is when you're 3D printing, you're 3D printing one millimeter at a time in height. So imagine me 3D printing a steak that has 400 different temperatures inside of it. Fuck. Rather than saying like I want a medium rare, I have like – I want that thing to be like juicy on the outside and fucking cooked on the – like it, it could be anything we want because we can print it. Right. And so it, it gets deeper with the meat oh, like because now you have to get it. Is, oh, okay. Right. But but I could also have a layer of truffle in my steak now. I could layer in mashed potato or cheese or some other fun. Oh, oh my know. gosh. What the hell? So yeah, now you just have to change the bag or have that cartridge in there. And and the cool thing is once you add laser technology to that, which is what we that's how we were doing our our core selling product was a laser, it was a laser engraved macaron. And so what we could do is you could put someone's face on a macaron or a QR code and you can pay shit. That's cool. And so but yeah, you gotta see check it out. 3D food company. It's on we're on Instagram. We got we had some shit there. But um the point is with a laser, you can now cook the temperatures 
as it's moving up. And so suddenly you have food, different types of foods, ingredients, flavors, temperature profiles. Like I could, I could literally make a steak, one of the healthiest items any humans ever eaten, theoretically. When you How think do you make that. it healthy in a steak? I'm like, what do you well, mean? I, What's I, what I mean by it? that? What I mean by that is just by adding certain nutrients, right? So, like as an example, does that steak have? What's like a really healthy nutrient? Magnesium. Um, okay. Uh, nutrients? You're talking about like elements? Dude, follow him. Follow his pages. Follow him. This dude is amazing. Great conversation. Thank you for coming to the One Verse and being a guest. Thank you for dropping some Thank knowledge. You, Great conversation. I hope people learn from you and hear you out. You know, thank you for coming, bro. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. And I got you. I'll take his picture and do the video of the one verse shit. Gotcha. You can do it. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) And as I always say, one verse where we're all one in the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this shit.